welcome to Sparkle Speak. This is a podcast sponsored by Sparkle, which is a Christian women's ministry designed to connect women with the purpose of inspiration and encouragement. Each week, we will interview a new guest who will share her personal experience with Christianity. Whether you identify yourself as a Christian or not, this podcast is for you, and our intent is always to inspire one another through our own unique and individual stories of how God has moved and shaped us. Wherever you are listening today, we hope you enjoy this story of faith. Welcome back, everybody, to Sparkle Speak. I'm your host, Catherine, and tonight we have two very special guests with us. Um, We have a mother and daughter combo, Lois and Rachel, and I'm really excited to speak with them tonight and just hear what they have to say. Um, They have come prepared with something, I think, pretty special and um, just a very unique story that is special to them. And so I'm really, really excited to hear it. So thanks for being with us, Lois and Rachel. Well, for having us. Yes. Yeah. Do each of of you want to go through, maybe we can start with you, Lois, and just give us a little um, background on who you are, where you live, what you do. um, I'm Lois Wilkinson, and my husband and I, we live in Bloomfield Hills currently. We have three adult children who are all amazing. And um, I used to be a teacher. Before kids, had the privilege of being at home with my children, raising them, as well as homeschooling them for seven years, and then did a little bit of nannying, and now I am just enjoying um, being an empty nester. Nice. Awesome. And what about you, Rachel? Yes, I'm Rachel. I'm Lois's daughter, obviously, and um, I live in Des Moines, Iowa. I grew up you know, in the metro Detroit area, um, and for the past five years have lived out in Des Moines, um, currently working in early childhood, taught preschool for a couple of years, and have been an infant teacher for the past almost two years now, and I absolutely love what I do. Um, yeah, so that's a little bit about me. Yeah. So as um, you guys know, and our listeners know, this podcast is really centered around um, Christianity and highlighting stories of individual women and their um, encounters with Christianity and with God. And so um, we're going to kind of alter the questions I asked the two of you tonight, just because we want to get through it. We have two of you. Um, And so we're going to just dive right into the the first question that we're going to talk about. And that's how did you guys like start identifying yourselves as Christian. So um, maybe Lois, you can answer first, but what, what did that process look like for you? Like just kind of saying, I'm a Christian. I did grow up in a Christian home. Both my parents were believers and um, faith was very strong in our home as well as just um, attending church was just a, a family tradition. And at a very early age, um, maybe around five. I know I asked Jesus into my heart, but certainly didn't understand what that all meant. Um, it's a process for all of us and understanding it and making it personal. But I certainly would have called myself a Christian, I think, all of my life. But there were times when I probably wanted to hide it too from my secular friends. So Certainly through through college and in graduate school, I, I 
going into a better understanding of what it was to be a child of God and his follower and walking with him. So awesome. Yeah, thanks for sharing that. And Rachel, what about you? Very similar to my mom. Um, obviously, I have a great mother and great dad as well, who's not here right now. But um, yeah, both of my parents were are very strong believers and raised my siblings and me in that environment. Um, and just like my mom asked Jesus into my heart at a very young age, but it was certainly over the course of a lifetime, just increasing my understanding and gaining a better understanding of the gospel itself and all its the different facets of it. I mean, obviously the core of the gospel is, is timeless that Christ died for our sins, that we are sinful and we have to be redeemed. But um, I think the, as the older I've gotten, the more I've realized how like just the, the gravity of that, that um, even the smallest things separate free me from God, but the, just the overwhelming sense of gratitude for Christ's sacrifice for me, for me in my walk with, with Christ, like the biggest thing for me has been constantly examining my heart because that's really, that is where, where it starts is not, it has nothing to do with um, the outward appearance or the things that we do. Um, You just contrast, you know, with the Pharisees and how Jesus was constantly talking to them and about all the things that they were doing that like on the outside, it looks great, but what I'm after is your heart. And so for me, that's been the most meaningful is that like, God's not first and foremost concerned with the things that I do, but where's my heart at? And is my heart, is my attitude honoring him? And the rest follows after that. It's like, because my heart's in the right place, because I'm seeking to please only him, it makes me want to glorify him with my actions and with my words. Yeah, I love that. That's, it's so true. And um, just because, you know, the two of you have kind of talked about how it's been this process throughout your lives, just kind of learning who God is and deepening your understanding. Um, I would love to hear, uh, like, what experiences have you had that have shaped or changed your view of God? And maybe a better way to ask that is, has there been any significant events or seasons of life that have really defined or deepened your faith? Um, And we can start with you, Lois, if you want to answer that first. Absolutely. I mean, there, there have been, you know, obviously significant points, but one specific one, that um, I would love to share is the time when um, my husband and I, Sean, and I decided it was time to have a baby. And um, it didn't happen right away. And we, we, you know, that up and down month after month of, of trying, waiting, get, getting your hope up, and the months turned into two and a half years. Of waiting, so that's kind of the the background of just God. Do you hear me? Do you love me? Do you care? Are you trustworthy? And through that all, you know, God was teaching me a lot about Himself, even through what I felt was silence. And then the day came when that pregnancy test was positive, and we were rejoiced. We were so excited. It was our turn. As you know, I said I had taught previously. I taught preschool. And my heart's desire was to be a mom. And I was just so delighted. And then we went in for our 18-week ultrasound. And my biggest 
concern was to find out the sex of the baby. Are we having a boy or a girl? And my doctor called me back afterwards and just shared that there was just a, a, something that showed up as a little bit of a concern. He didn't want me to get overly worried, but he did want to uh, have a more um, intensive ultrasound done, which we did. And through that, it was confirmed that our daughter, as we had found out, um, had a neuro, neural tube defect, um, spina bifida. And from that, we, we knew that it was very low on the spine. The lower, the better. But still, you know, we, we didn't really know what we were dealing with. But from my past experience in those two and a half years of wanting, you know, trying to have a baby, I, I, I knew with certainty that this was the child that God had for us. It wasn't a mistake. Um, there, there was, it was, there was not an option for us to, to consider um, terminating the pregnancy, even though that was definitely given as an option. Can't say that they were trying to sell it on us, but they, they made it very clear that we had until a certain date to consider that option and even had encouraged us to have an amniocentesis because when there's one birth defect, there's a higher risk of having another or more. But my question was, is there anything you can do about it? Because we were having this child. This was a gift from God and, and we were having her and we knew that God would see us through whatever it looked like. Um, and one of our, our first responses to all this was turning to the Lord, but also asking family and friends to be praying for us and our unborn child. And I sent, we sent out a letter. We didn't have the internet back then or cell phones or anything. And we got responses. I, I have a three ring binder today, probably about three inches thick just filled with cards and letters and many of them from people that we have never met who were praying for us and our unborn child. And, and if I can look back on a time of experiencing God's peace, I, I tell you that that was it. And when you know God's peace, you know God's peace and it is real it, to, to the point that some people even thought that we were in denial um, because God's peace was so incredible during that time. And I had, during the rest of that pregnancy, I had claimed the verse from Romans 15, 13, that says, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. And we experienced that. Mm -hmm. He is a God of hope. No matter what, you know, that the options look like, the uncertainties that with him, there is always hope. And he did give us his joy. Um, and I was blessed with just a wonderful pregnancy. And because of, well, her, her lesion was actually a, a cyst on the back, um, back of her spine on her back that stuck out like an orange. So we had opted to schedule a C-section so as not to risk rupturing 
the cyst. But um, in God's providence, <laughs> she, she, I had she, different plans. <laughs> Rachel had different plans. God had different I plans, did. and she came very fast. And um, we were blessed with that. She obviously came through just fine. And it was a faster recovery for me because at one week of age, she had surgery to remove that. And um, that was one of the scariest moments in my life. And I'm sure John would, would agree that we, we felt like we could relate to Abraham putting Isaac on the altar that day as we handed our one-week-old baby to the anesthesiologist, not knowing if we would ever get her back again. God and his mercy was gracious. And obviously we did get her back and, and certainly can't imagine life without our Rachel. She has an incredibly tender, caring heart and is a true blessing to all who know her. But she, she also has had many struggles in her life because of spina bifida. And one of the verses that I have just claimed for her, and I know she claims for herself as well, is 2 Corinthians 12, 9. That says, my grace is sufficient for you. And her middle name is Grace. So my Rachel Grace, God's grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in weakness and just would like to just then let Rachel kind of share then her side of the story of, of what life has been like for her yeah her. yeah well and I was gonna say too that was beautiful thank you for sharing it and how amazing that we now have the daughter you're speaking of to piggyback off of that and yeah like you said give her her opinion on all of it. So yeah, take it away, Rachel. All right. Yeah. So like my mom said, um, there were, there were a lot of unknowns with my diagnosis. Um, again, like she said, it was, the lesion was low enough on the spine to where they didn't foresee major, major problems or the more extreme issues often associated with spina bifida, but certainly I've had my fair share of issues. Um, and honestly, like most of my life, my childhood, at least was relatively normal, I would say. Um, I didn't really have a lot of the, the physical issues. Some um, like one of the biggest things with spina bifida or like the most common is like bowel and bladder issues. And like, so I've had some of that throughout my life. Um, but there are other things that really started manifesting when I was about like teenager age, um, kind of getting into pu puberty, which is, of course, the worst time in the world to have any sort of you know, physical things happen mm -hmm. to you. And um, so as far as, you know, walking through a season of life that was especially difficult, um, that was definitely it. My teenage years and through high school, um, I certainly as I talked about before, just growing up in a Christ-centered home and having that foundation meant the world to me and still means the world to me that um, I was constantly reminded of truth even during the, this time. But um, yeah, getting into my teenage years started having a lot more 
um, kind of nerve issues, like lost feeling in my feet and my legs and would have like nerve pain, like kind of tingly kind of pain um, in my feet and my legs and um, all of these things just kind of it kept getting progressively worse. And I was constantly seeing doctors and um, having tests done and eventually needed surgery, um, back surgery to um, kind of keep it from getting worse. But a lot of the symptoms didn't resolve after that. It just, I mean, it kept it as a, at a standstill at least. But um, certainly through that time, um, really questioned my my purpose in this world, honestly, um, just like wondering why I had these, these struggles, these difficulties when I looked at everybody else. I mean, in my mind, everybody else in the world doesn't have it as bad as I do. Um, and just really that, that self-pity, I mean, to the extreme, I mean, there's definitely like people have, um, those days, you know, where you feel down or, like you're not worthy of, you know, not worth anything. But um, I definitely felt that even more just because of the state that I was in or my, just my physical limitations. And now I always, I tended to always look at the negative side of things of like, you know, I can't do this because of this and I can't do that. Um, And so it really, it led to just this downward spiral of, um, not seeing my worth and therefore not being, not feeling worthy of even friendships. I struggled a lot just socially, I think because of that, because I always kept people at an arm's length of just feeling different. And um, that eventually spiraled into depression and a lot of um, clinical anxiety as well. Um, and getting into like high school and then into college as well, really struggled with that kind of the depression and the the anxiety attacks. Um, And it was because I had let these lies seep so deeply that because you have spina bifida, because you have these issues, no one could ever love you. And that was, I mean, the lies of the devil that he, he constantly feeds you um, uses every, every possible, every possible way to, um, pull you away from the heart of God, but through, um, through my parents and through friends that I got to know, um, was constantly reminded and brought back to the truth of the gospel. And the truth of God's word is that life is valuable just by virtue of being made in the image of God. Like that's, that's where it starts. And that's where you're identity is found. And that's what I I had to shift from the mindset of, I can't, um, and, or I'm not worthy to no, I'm worthy because Christ sees me as worthy. And, um, just starting to take my, my weaknesses or the things that I couldn't do or can't do as like, God can still use that in spite of those, or even maybe because of these issues. Um, and it, it's, it's been a long journey and I'm const- like, I'm, I'm still continuing to work through a lot of those things, but that was, I mean, that the darkest time of my life, like having come out of that and just being so, um, viewing my worth as like so little and so, um, 
so invaluable to then like the more time that I spend in the word and see um, all of the stories of like God being faithful to other people um, led me to sort of train myself to look back at my life and where has God been faithful to you? Um, and just seeing all that my, my parents went through, that was like a big, is a big defining factor in that my parents struggled to even have a child and then we're finally able to get pregnant and um, like them walking through infertility and then finally being able to have a child um, and seeing like all throughout, throughout the Bible and through like all of our stories as he's, he's so purposeful in what he does that God doesn't make mistakes and um, he created me for a purpose um, and because I am valuable to him, just because of that, my life has purpose. And it doesn't matter what I can or cannot do. Um, my identity is solely in him. And um, once, I, once I could grasp that, um, it helped kind of retrain my thinking to focus on, you know, what can I do for his glory? And um, yeah, just it starts with that relationship and it can back to just the matters of the heart and starting with the heart attitude is I think my whole life I was I was placing my value and my worth in things that I could do and wanting to be um, a type of the type of person that could make a difference in the world. And I think in my mind, I just I thought that or I had the perception of having to be able to do certain things um, or, you know, all of that, the people that seem to make a difference in the world seem to have their lives all together. And um, so I had to just, re again, retrain my thinking and my attitude towards um, finding my identity in Christ. And therefore, because of that, um, like he, he's going to use me for his glory, like in some way, shape or form. And, um, again, just using my gifts and abilities for him. And, um, yeah. So despite like the weaknesses and I mean, for me, it's physical weaknesses mm -hmm. I think for, you know, a lot of people, um, you know, the reality is, is that everybody has weaknesses of some sort or things that they struggle with or things that they're not good at. And um, just going back to what my mom said about um, being offered the option of abortion, termination, um, like the, the common, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? like a very common thing that you hear these days is like babies diagnosed with disabilities in utero. The compassionate thing to do is to terminate so that they don't have a life of suffering. And the, it, to me, that just doesn't calculate because life is suffering. Everybody suffers in some way, shape or form. For some people, it's more than others. I mean, for me, it's it is, it's physical and I have you know, physical, like literal weaknesses. Um, I'm not physically as strong as most people. Um, 
but that's not to say that another person's life doesn't have some other sort of struggle or quote unquote disability. You know, my grandma likes to say that everybody has a disability. It's just some are more visible than others mm-hmm. um, or more extreme than others. And so I found um, maybe not to the point of finding pleasure in my weaknesses, but definitely seeing it as a way to glorify God and a verse that I've been really ruminating on recently is the follow-up to um, the one that my mom just mentioned in, uh, in second Corinthians, that my grace is sufficient for you for my power is, is manifested in weakness. Um, But then Paul goes on because he's just talked about, you know, the the thorn in his flesh and um, asking God repeatedly to take this away from him. And he even says, you know, three times I asked God to take it away from me. And all three times he says, my grace is sufficient for you. And in my mind, I'm like three times, like that's all it took for you to get this. And like, for me, it's taken a lifetime to, um, to understand this and to really, to, to grasp this even at like a base level. But second Corinthians 12 verse 10 says that I take pleasure in my weaknesses and in insults and hardships and troubles because of Christ for when I am weak, then I am strong. And for me, that's just been so powerful because I have like, as I said, many weaknesses and yeah. So for me, having physical weaknesses, that's like, that's made meant so much to me that, you know, when I am weak, that's when God steps in and takes over. And um, my weaknesses display his power all the more because there's no way that I could live this life or, you know, be strong by my own power. It's all because of him. And if my life can um, even just simply show the world or share with the world God's power through my weaknesses, then that's really all that matters. Definitely. Well, I think you guys answered all my questions. I thought that was so beautiful. Thank you so much for sharing. Is there um, like anything last, you know, as we wrap up that you want to share with the listeners, any last minute thoughts or just anything that you want to share that's on your heart? How hard it is right now not to be able to hug my daughter in person since we're Zooming and she's (laughs) in a different state, but... uh, Virtual hug. That's right. (laughs) Love you. Love the story that God has given us together to hopefully, prayerfully point others to him that he is good. And you know what? There are times when life doesn't feel good and it it doesn't look good. It doesn't feel good. We question... Is he really in control? And uh, it's it's a choice to trust him and say, okay, from past history, he has been faithful. And I'm going to choose to believe he's not going to let me down this time. And he has enabled me in the past, and he will enable me in the future, whatever the future holds. So, mm, Amen to that. Great reminder. Yes. Yeah, that's been something that I've had to keep close to my heart, It too, is reminding myself that God is good despite my circumstances, um, that, you know, he doesn't, he's not the ruler of this world just as it is. Like the world today is governed by Satan and governed by evil. And 
um, because of that, evil seeps in and seeks to destroy our lives. But God is still good, and he is in control if we let him. And so we have to, I, I have to constantly surrender my heart to him and acknowledge that, you know, even though my life sucks and I don't like how things are right now, it doesn't change the fact that God is good. It doesn't change his nature. Mm-hmm. Yeah. My, actually, my mom and I were just talking about that today too, how um, God is so good that even when we make mistakes and we choose the wrong things and, or we go down the wrong path or we, you know, whatever, it's like, he will still, if we just turn back to him in repentance, like he's still right there and he's still going to bless us. It's like, it's, it's so insane to even wrap your mind around how good he is, but um, you're right. He just, he always loves us and he will cover us time and time and time again, um, no matter where we're at. So yeah, I really appreciate you ladies just sharing your story, sharing your hearts, and I can't wait to post this episode and um, just for people to hear it and, and hopefully be impacted by it. So thank you so much for taking the time to, to record this. And um, yeah, I just appreciate you guys. Thank you so yeah, very well, much. Thank you. Thank you for having us. Thank you for tuning into this week's episode of Sparkle Speak. If you are interested in following us on social media, you can find us on Instagram at underscore sparklefaith underscore or at sparklefaith.com. There you can find information on upcoming events and speakers. And please feel free to reach out to us if you have a personal story of faith that you would be willing to share with us. We hope you tune in again next week and we hope your week is full of the sparkle we all need. Hey everybody, I'm Dale. And I'm Tamara. And we're hosts of the Kynos Project podcast. Where we help you tackle ancient Christian truths in everyday settings. The word Kynos means new, and that's exactly what we want to do on our podcast. Bring something new from what is old in our faith. And on this show, you might hear us explore topics like what the Bible has to say about student loan forgiveness, discuss how the satanic temple affects our view of religious liberty in America, or even question why is it that so many people are having rapture anxiety. To learn more about the podcast, go to lifeaudio.com.